we, of course, are in the middle of a series in January we call Blessed. Blessed. And we're, the series is based on a prayer by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, where he told us that we have been blessed with all kinds of spiritual blessings. And he says, in order that we can live our life for God, and he mentions the spiritual blessings. And we've been going through those in these 21 days of prayer in the month of January. And we're trying to see not just what we need from God, but what we have already been blessed with that we need to learn to walk in and to, and to live in in these times. So in the first week, we talked about we are blessed with a spiritual family, about how powerful it is to be a part of the body of Christ because the gifts of God are in the body of Christ and the presence of God is in the body of Christ. The Spirit of God moves among the body of Christ and through the body of Christ, which is the church, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then last week, we looked at the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, to think about it, that God lives in us and among us. It's not like we just agreed on some things and we we're going to try to live them. It's that he lives in us and helps us live them. And that was the other blessing. Today, we have another blessing we're going to talk about. This one has excited me a lot. So here goes. I'm going to give this all my heart because I, I, this has just done something on the inside of me. All right. It's in Ephesians 1.18. Ready? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We're going to talk today about hope, the blessing of hope. You know, when I was a kid, about this time every year, January, when it got cold, I remembered every day, I hope it snows today. I mean, it was 70 degrees in January, and I'd be getting up, oh, I hope it snows today. Jesus, help it snow today. As a little kid, I, I just remember if I ever heard, hey, it's going to be cold tonight, man, my nose was on the window looking for that one flake to come down. And you know, in Alabama, it's not like we get tons of that. But I remember a few times growing up where it was, a, it was, a, it was magical snow, and I, I, that was, I hope it snows. That was my wish, even when... It wasn't going to happen. You know, hope for some people is nothing more than a wish. Really, it's just, for some, it's just sort of a positive wish for good fortune. You know, I hope I make an A on my test. Now, there are a lot of factors involved in that. Or, or I hope my team wins. There's even more factors involved in that one. Since I'm not on the team, you know. Or I hope, you, I hope you feel better tomorrow. I mean, genuine heart, but it's honestly, we're, it's a big wish. Or sometimes uh, a hope to us is sort of tied to something negative, sort of has a, a, a negative tilt to it, sort of a, a fear, a, a, hand, a fingers crossed kind of fear thing of, uh, I hope I don't get COVID again. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope that check doesn't bounce again, <laughs> you know. Well, let me tell you what, hope isn't wishing for the best. Hope is not just waiting to see what happens and sort of hope it turns out okay. And that's how we sometimes have interpreted that word hope. Hope is not a feeling. Hope is not an emotion, certainly not a wish. 
That kind of hope isn't hope at all. That, that kind of hope is just as empty and undependable as it, as it sounds. That's just wishful thinking. That doesn't have the power to change anything except anxiety level. That's all it has the power to do. That's not the kind of hope the Bible's talking about. That's not the kind of hope Paul was talking about when he wrote this prayer, and that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a different kind of hope. We're talking about real hope. We're talking about hope that's not just about the present, but it's about the future as well. It's a hope. It's a hope that's real. Nobody hopes what they already have. Hope is about the future and about the certainty that we can believe about our future. Now, look at 1 Peter 1. Let me read this to you. This is really cool. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth, look at this, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. The living hope that we're talking about, living hope, not wishful thinking, a living hope cannot fail. It will always prove to be true. It's a certainty. It's an absolute fact. We, we're, not, we're not hoping for something that we wish happens. We're hoping for something that we believe and we know is a fact. What is that fact? Well, here, here's that fact. Heaven. Heaven is real. We believe heaven is a real place. It's real, and that is the destiny of those who know the Lord. Now, that's a fact. So, so what is heaven going to be like? Let's just think about this. Think about this. We know this in our heart. What is heaven going to be like? Well, here's a few things. The Bible talks about perfect health. No COVID-19. No cancer. No heart disease or diabetes or disease, Huntington's disease or Parkinson's disease or, or no more blind eyes and crippled limbs, no more death. Praise the Lord. How about this one? Perfect provision. Revelation, we read, there'll be no hunger, there'll be no thirst, there'll be no lack of any kind. How about this one? Perfect peace. In Isaiah 2, the Bible tells us there'll be no war, no conflict, no fighting, no vengeance, no violence, no rejection, no abuse, no fear. How about this one? A perfect creation. Create no tornadoes, no hurricanes or earthquakes or wildfires, no, no fighting the elements. How about this? Perfect maturity. That means that the battle with our brokenness, the battle with the world's brokenness will be over. The battle with our own brokenness will be over. The Bible says we know that when Christ shall appear, we will see him and we will be like him. That's called heaven, friends. <laughs> That's called heaven. Now, I'm looking forward to that, are you? I'm looking forward to heaven. Uh, listen, that, that's, uh, that's, the more difficult our world becomes, the more we realize, oh, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be good when we get to heaven. But then you may ask the question, ooh, 
Is it really going to be all that? Is it, is it really going to be all that? Yes, it is. It is. Well, we say, I look forward to heaven, but how does that help me now? How does it help me now just to know that? I'm glad to know that. How does it help me now? Well, when you think about it, those who, believe, who don't believe in God or who don't believe in heaven, they don't believe in the afterlife, what a, what a terrible place to be. They don't, believe, they don't believe things. They don't believe there's an afterlife, and they, they have no hope. They have no hope. If, if there is no hope of heaven on this earth, it's all over. If this is all we get is what we have on earth, it's not that great sometimes. You know, here's what Paul told the Corinthians about that. Here, listen to this. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless and you're still guilty in your sins. In that case, all who've died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. That's, Paul wrote that to them. You know why he wrote that? Because some in Corinth had said, there is no heaven. There's no heaven. It's all, it's all over with. There is no heaven. And he's saying, are you kidding me? If that's all we have, then there is no hope. So if that's true, then why bother to forgive anybody? Why bother to care about people? Why bother to show compassion? Why bother? Why bother? Why does it matter? Why don't we just, why don't we just steal and kill and, and, and do whatever we want to do? Because it won't matter. Folks, that's how most of the world lives. And that's why the world is without hope. But we're different. We know it's not all about here. We know there's something else over there. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead and he became our proof positive that the life on the other side is real. Jesus got up from the dead. People saw him dead. They saw him alive. That is proof. And that's why we put our faith in him. So really the truth is this, hope does matter now. It does. Hope matters now, not just in the future. The future always affects the present. Now listen to this. What we believe about our future affects the now for us. Isn't that true? It's the truth. Now let's, if some really super rich uncle came up to you and said, I mean, I mean, we're talking to an uncle that you've known forever and you trust him, you trust him totally. And he comes up to you and says, or he calls you on the phone and says, hey, would you meet me in the morning at say six o'clock at Waffle House in Helena? I'm gonna meet you there and I'm gonna pay all your debts off and I'm gonna give you enough money to live the rest of your life. Just, just be there at six o'clock in the morning. I'm betting you'd be there about 5.30. Just to avoid traffic, you know? I know I would. Now, you know why? Because I have grown to trust this guy. I know him and I trust him. He's always kept his word. And if he's going to give me that promise, I'm going to believe what he said. I'm going I'm to let my present be affected by what I believe about my future. That's why I'm going to get up at the crack of dawn and get in the car and go to Waffle House. Because, and so the future, what I believe about my future, did affect the way I live my present. It, it, it actually told me which direction to go. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about in this place. Um, so 
if, if that's true, if what we believe here now can give us hope for our future, how do we get there in our minds so that we just don't live a, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I hope, cross my fingers, I hope, I hope, I hope. How do we go into this confident thing that says, I can walk with God in confidence knowing what I've got happening in me, knowing that I can walk with God in, in confidence and faith and strength. How, do, how does that happen inside of me? Because it's not in me right now like that. How does that hope become real to me? Well, look at verse 18 again. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. What hope has he called us? Well, it's a hope the world doesn't know. And by the way, he, they will not know this kind of hope until we, Kingwood, become that movement of hope to tell them. But how's it gonna happen? Paul uses a strange phrase there. He says, the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. Your heart has eyes? No, when, he talks, when he's talking about the heart, the heart is the, is the center, the core of a person. It's the core of who they are. It's, it's sort of a strange mixture of the mind and the personality and the emotions and the will. And it's, it's the thing that makes you you. It's the, the center of who you are. Just like the heart in your body is one organ, it pumps, but the blood it pumps, pumps all, it keeps all of the rest of your body and gives it life. And when the heart begins to die, the extremities begin to die first because the blood can't get there. Well, that's what the core of you, of your person is. That is the heart of you, the heart. So our heart, the part that sort of guides us and controls us and fills us and stays with us, is sort of in charge of everything going on in our life, has to be enlightened with, with eyes, not eyes that are physical, but God has given us through this soul that he calls it, soul that we have on the inside. He's given us spiritual eyes. You see, there's a way to see without just using your physical eyes. There is a hearing that is beyond just your ears hearing. There is a discerning that is far beyond just reason that goes through your mind. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying the eyes of the core of you that can see and feel and understand to be enlightened. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart. The core of you. We have to love the Lord with a core of us. So many people love God with their brain. They know all about him. They don't really know him, but they know all about him. And they can quote stuff. And they love him with their religion. But he said it's got to go deeper. It's got to go to love the Lord with the way that directs everything you do and everywhere you go. That directs, that, that pumps that blood to all of you, not just the religious part of you. And our world is full of people who love God with the religious part of themselves. But the, the, the other days of the week, they don't know him. But God says that's not the way we live. The eyes of our heart will be enlightened to see how to live. You know, they're the, one of the uh, most famous people in the world that wrote the most famous Christian song in the world, his name was John Newton. He's the guy that wrote Amazing Grace. 
This is what he said about himself one time. Once I was blind, but now I see. What was he talking about? He was talking about something in his core, something in his, in his heart got transformed, got changed. The eyes of his heart were enlightened. Enlightened. I love that word. That word is that word there is used is a Greek word. It's called photizo. Photizo. I know it looks like photo to you a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, it, it, it is. It, it means it's, it's like the flash on your camera. For those of us back in the day, remember those flash cubes? <laughs> yeah. Flash. It's the flash that blinds you for a moment. Let, let me tell you why that happens. Because when you're taking a photograph, you have to have an, an, a, a, a lot of light thrown on something real quickly so that all the, the details can be seen clearly. So there can be clarity, so that, that all the details can be there. Well, that's what God says. I want to be able to be the light in your heart so that you can see with clarity. You don't have to see in a dim light. You can see in a lot of light with a lot of clarity. You can understand what God is doing. In other words, see through God's eyes. When the eyes of your heart are enlightened, you get to see things through the light of God and not just through your own light. It changes the way we live. That's why John Newton who was an awful man. He was, he was a, a terrible slave ship captain turned into a gentle, compassionate pastor who, by, by any stretch of the imagination, is one of the main reasons the human slave trade in the Western civilization ended because of John Newton, because his eyes were enlightened. Once I was blind, but now I'm enlightened. I can see. That's what happens when our eyes are enlightened. The eyes of our heart is enlightened. So what Paul's prayer is, is for believers that their innermost core will be enlightened by what God is saying and what God is doing. So they'll see God's hand and hear God's voice and know what God's doing and have relationship, deep, strong, intense relationship with God. That's what it's about. It's a prayer for more. It's a prayer for deeper in intimacy with God. You know, Pastor Day Jay shared several weeks ago that one of the words that God has given us for our future is deeper. It's deeper. It's going deeper into the knowledge and the relationship with God, not going wider in how many things we can do, but how deeply we can place the life of Christ in our life so that we may live like him. It's a, it's a prayer for a heart that is fully engaged, fully engaged in the light of God and what God is doing. The hope, this hope we have, is seen only through spiritually enlightened eyes. And Paul was praying we would know that hope. And how? So that we can have our eyes enlightened. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we embrace the hope I'm talking about? How do we embrace this thing to where we can say, I know what God's promises are. I know what he has said. I believe his word. I believe what he says. It's not here yet, but I know what God says and I want to walk in it. And in doing so, how do I embrace that hope? That's called the hope that we're, he prayed for us, that we'll embrace it. How do I do it? Here's the first one. Pray 
for the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened. That's not a scary prayer to pray. God, enlighten my heart. Lord, I give you permission to do that. We have spiritual eyes and they guide our hearts. So Lord, give me your spiritual eyes so that it can guide my heart to show me where to go, what to do. All the things that he can show us when he enlightens our hearts. The Bible is full of those things. Let me just, let me just throw a few of these out to you. How about this one? Well, first of all, let me, let me tell you this. Our prayers need to be intentional. Lord, I intentionally pray, Lord, Lord, enlighten my eyes. The eyes of my heart, enlighten them. Maybe in these 21 days of prayer that we're in, maybe that could be one of your main focuses to say, Lord, I need you to enlighten my heart's eyes. Enlighten the eyes of my heart. And then there, here's some things we'll see from the scripture. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. With enlightened eyes, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means here, not just in the future. Here. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is unseen, which is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm going to fix my eyes on things that the world can't see, but I can see them. You know, I can look at someone who doesn't know the Lord and I can say, I can see in their heart they're empty and they need Jesus. And they don't see that yet, but I see it. So God says, Mark, do something about it. Love them. Care for them. Share the truth with them. Share the gospel with them. You see, my eyes saw something their eyes don't see. How about this one? I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. When I'm in a mess, I don't have to look to the world to help me. I can look to God to help me. I can go to him first instead of to everything else first and let him be my last resort. Are you kidding? Not when the eyes of my heart are enlightened. And here's my second point. With hope, embrace our calling. When we have this hope, a calling begins to show up in us. When we start seeing things through enlightened eyes, something about purpose begins to rise up on the inside of us. I want to read to you a passage from 2 Peter. Uh, no, first of all, let me, let me read this passage out of Ephesians. Paul prayed that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he's called you. That calling inside of us is big. It comes from Second Peter, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of, his, all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Look at this. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, I know that sounds like a, a, like a big word salad a little bit, but let me tell you the big deals about that. God says he has saved us, he lives inside of us, and as a result, he's given us incredible promises. And where are those promises found? In the word of God. 
in the word of God and through the spirit speaking to us through what God says in his word. And he says that by them, by claiming them, by walking in them, by agreeing with what God says, we get to partake in the divine nature of God. That means heaven on earth. That means a part of heaven. The Bible calls it first fruits. The first fruits of heaven are, are seen on the earth, not in totality. It's not that all of a sudden everything becomes perfect on earth. That won't happen until Jesus comes. It won't all be perfect. But God shows his glory and he lets people see what he is capable of, what he can do. And it begins to make people's hope rise on the inside. And he allows us to be participants in that. That's our calling. Heaven's power available to us on earth while we're here to share the glory of God, to share the miracles of God. God does miracles. He does healings. He, does, he, he saves souls and transforms lives. He has people give themselves to love and share and, and help people with compassion. He's the, he's the one that he uses us to let people be set free supernaturally. He lets us be part of that. That's the hope of our calling. That's the hope of our calling. The Bible calls it first fruits. Not heaven's perfect order. That does it. That's not going to happen here. But we get to see and taste. Oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. Remember when Jesus prayed one time, when he, when he said, rather, he said to the Pharisees, so you will know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Get up and walk. When they saw the power of God to get him up and walk, they looked and said, oh, God can forgive sins. Look what God can do. That's, that's the hope of our calling. There was this, um, there was this, these, this shoe company back at the turn of the century. Um, the shoe company in Australia, and you know, Australia was is is a large continent, but it was just sparsely settled on the coast at that time, and and they had sort of run out of a lot of people to sell their shoes to, so they decided they're going to go out in the Australian continent and find more people to sell shoes. So they said, go out and tell us if what, where the best market to sell more shoes. So they went all over the little settlements all over and they got into the area where there were a lot of aboriginal tribes and, and a lot of poor people who were just barefoot. <laughs> and so one salesman writes back, no, no good market here. Uh, people here don't wear shoes. Forget that. The other guy wrote back, incredible market. Nobody has shoes, everybody needs them. So it depends on how you look at it. When the eyes of your heart are enlightened, you look at things differently. Instead of us looking and saying, now listen, listen carefully to me. Instead of us as people of God, instead of us looking at the world going, I tell you what, this world is going, you know, where in a handbasket. I don't know where the handbasket came from, but that's what everybody says. I tell you what, everything, and just, everything's terrible, everything's terrible, everything's terrible, everything's terrible. Do you know that inside of us, resides the power of God for lives to be transformed. <laughs> Instead of that, maybe we can look and say, man, I'm telling you, this world needs Jesus and he, there's a lot of Jesus to give to this world. Look at all the, all the people we can share the Lord with. Okay, <laughs> it's true. I wanna read to you John 4, 35. 
Jesus was talking when they were just walking through a field one day and Jesus said, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? That's like, heaven's coming. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Kingwood, a movement of hope is who God has told us that we are. A movement of hope to Shelby County and beyond. Instead of cursing the darkness out there, how bad things are, let's take the incredible light of God's power. Let's take the joy, the blessing that we have, the hope that is in us, that God has given us, and let it spill over everybody, over everyone, over everyone. When our eyes are enlightened and we start seeing, God, this is what you want, then all of a sudden the fields are ripe for harvest. They're not ready to be burned. They're ready to be harvested. Oh, Lord Jesus, do that in us. Do that in us, Lord. Do that in us. Today, I, I sort of got emotional. When I was, we were doing a little baby dedication here with, with our grandson. He, he, has the, he has these little eyes. He's got these bright eyes. It looks around and... When, when he looks around, it's one thing, but when he locks eyes with somebody he knows, there's this different thing that happens. It just warms your heart. It's this different thing. It, it, turns, into, it turns into his eyes going, oh, I love you. <laughs> and, and of course, we start going, oh, I love you too. And you, know, we, you know what? That's sort of how it is with the Lord. When our eyes are enlightened, we get to catch a glimpse of him and it changes the way we see things it changes everything god you've got to enlighten our, our eyes of our hearts so that we can embrace this hope and give this hope to our world that's what god has called kingwood church to do to give this hope to this world in whatever way he called you to do it we don't all do it the same way everyone has a different call but we're all called to the hope he has given us. Today, our, our worship team is coming. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna be singing a song about making room. I feel like that during these 21 days of prayer that we have, making room for God is what it's about. We're, we're taking time to say, God, have your way. I'm gonna ask you all, in your time with God, and all of you online that are listening as well, in your time with God, say, Lord, take, take the chance to say, enlighten my heart's eyes so I can see like you see. Lord, give me the ability to, to see your gaze and see what's in your eyes. And Lord, I want to match it. I want to do it. I want to do what you say. During these 21 days, let that be your prayer. And the other thing, God, help me to embrace the calling you have for me not to sit back and wait till heaven gets here but to go and talk about the God of heaven and let lives be transformed around us it's what God has called us to do would you stand with me together
As we sing this song to make way, I want it to be a song of surrender to you to say, Lord, okay, I'm going to make room, Lord. Make room. I'm going to make room for you to enlighten the heart's eye.